Today is the March for Life, so um, we'll discuss a brief history of the march and uh, list out 10 arguments people make supporting abortion and debunk every single one of them. This is the God of Freedom Show. Alrighty guys, I hope everyone has had a great week so far. Happy Friday. Um, we have a lot to get to today, so that's not waste too much time. But yeah, today should be very interesting. Um, this is the first time where, well, first time in a while where I haven't, like, had to just go through a news cycle trying to find something. So it'll be, yeah, this entire episode will be pretty much uh, all about the March of Life and abortion and all that good stuff. Um, but, but before we get to all that, I do want to make a couple of pitches real quick. So we got the March for Life, which where hundreds of thousands, hundreds of, yeah, hundreds of thousands of people just go into Washington, Washington D.C. to stand up for the unborn, born in this country. And in order to do this, you know, the March for Life and organizations like the Susan B. Susan B. Anthony List need donations to help continue this fight to protect the unborn in this country. So I do recommend if you want, if you're interested in helping them out and like getting behind not just like saying you support something but actually putting your money behind it well definitely I guess I would recommend you donating to the other uh, martial life and the Susan B. Anthony list or whatever other pro-life organization you find you can do like a once in a lifetime once type of donation or you can do a monthly recurring donation it doesn't matter but I definitely recommend doing this because it just gives it supports them and just kind of helps build our case in the for the pro life movement. Alrighty, so so like I said, you know, today is the March for Life, and again, there's like hundreds of thousands of people gathering in DC right now, and you know, standing up for the unborn in this country who like who need it because the unborn, the unborn in this country are the most vulnerable uh, people, human beings in this country because like. Every single day, like about three thousand babies are aborted, and that's just in the time we live now, where like how technology is just updating and everything. That's it's still still so ridiculous how you know abortion is still defended. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's just so awesome to see so many people, especially young people. There's a lot of the entire crowd is mostly young people, especially young women, gathering here. You know, people on the media would like to say, oh, this is just a bunch of religious old men telling what women, telling women that what they can do to, with her body or whatever. When, in matter of fact, you look in the crowd, most of it is young women. So that just tells you something right there. But, yeah, this martial arts is actually pretty interesting because uh, President Trump actually made a speech. And it was a really good speech, actually. And I recommend you definitely go watch it. And what's cool about it, he was he's the first president ever in U.S. history to go to these events, right? Go to the martial life, which is kind of just, which is one of the reasons why I still continue to support President Trump right here because he's defended the pro-life movement like all the way through. I mean, yes, seeing people that say, "Oh, he was pro-choice back in 1999 or whatever," but guess what? People do change their minds, and he seems to change his mind on the whole situation is really good and that's why you know I support him and now would never never ever support 
Democrats who supported abortion on demand. So, um, to get started here, let's go through, let's kind of give a brief history of where kind of this march started. Uh, so, so back in 1973, let's go back to when Roe v. Wade was decided. So Roe v. Wade is the dis one of the most garbage decisions by the Supreme Court in U.S. history, because I mean they list out that abortion is somehow protected under the Fourteenth Amendment. There, but you read the Fourteenth Amendment, there's like nothing in there that suggests you can kill your unborn child at any point. So that argument doesn't make any sense, and just. Yeah, the idea that the Supreme Court can decide something like that, which is something that's not protected under the Constitution, just shows you just how how more how powerful the course of Supreme Court has gotten over the years, and why you know, and that's what the left wants. They want to use because they know they can't get it with Congress or the Senate, or whatever, because the people elect them, and most people in this country. That's the majority of people I think are probably pro-life, and but the left doesn't want people to decide that, so they used the Supreme Court to push their agendas. And this is what happened in 1973. The U.S. Supreme Court, all men by the way, all of them were old white men, and so the whole idea that you know old that men cannot have an opinion on abortion, unless of course you know you support abortion, but if you post-abortion you can't have an opinion on that but whatever so yeah like I said you know this was a garbage garbage decision right here and it has no constitutional like protection like, abortion has no constitutional protection whatsoever so in response to this a year later on the same day on January 22nd um, it was the March for Life started and it's about it was the in the west steps of the capitol in Washington DC and about 20,000 people um, came out there um, to stand up for the uh, unborn in this country so I mean that's again I mean that's considered small by today's estimates but given that it was a new it was a new march that's still pretty good attendance and obviously over the years it has gotten larger and larger and larger like, last year there was probably like 600,000 people in D.C. for the March for Life. Uh, we don't know the estimates for this year's yet, but I'm pretty sure it's about the same. So that just tells you, like, how big the pro-life movement has gotten over the years, because as, you know, technology advances, you, and you see, like, how the baby develops in the womb, you start to see, okay, obviously this is a human life. Obviously. So, and then every year since that, you know, they've been holding, holding it, it never stopped, you know, of course the media would like to ignore it, but it does happen. I mean, I'm interested to see if they'll cover it this year, because since President Trump was there, they probably will be forced to cover it, which would be pretty interesting. Um, they covered it sort of last year, but of course they covered it in a bad way, with the whole covering Catholic stuff, and I'm pretty sure most of y'all remember that. But, so yeah, that's pretty much kind of the brief history of March of Life right there. It's just... A really a really nice cool event right there and and by the like how much it's grown over the years and the momentum has gained for the last few, few like three four years or so 
I see like pretty soon we won't need to be doing this much. I think eventually abortion will be looked on as like an abomination, like how people look on slavery today. So, alrighty. So, like I said in the um, kind of intro right here, I'm going to be listing out 10 different arguments that the pro-choice people make in support of abortion. And I'm going to be, of course, debunk every single one of them. Alrighty, so let's get into argument number one, which is, it's not a human life. So obviously this is like kind of dumb for a number of reasons. You know, this is one of the cheap arguments that the pro-choice movement um, makes, that, you know, it's just a clump of cells. Like, it's not a human life, just a clump of cells. Uh, first off, I mean, if you find a fertilized, like, fetus on Mars, whatever, that would be considered a human life. And people, like, there'll be people sending, the government would be sending people up there to protect it and bring it back to Earth. And with animals, like, when animals are in the same, like, stage um, in development, you know, the left will like to say, oh, that's obviously a baby right there. You can't kill it. But, of course, when it comes to a human being, for some reason, they just completely ignore that argument. For some reason, like they value, they like devalue humans under animals or something like that. But obviously, the whole idea that you know that life—I mean, that is not a human life at all. But people like to say it's not a human life until um, it passes through the birth canal, which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever, and is anti-anti-scientifical. Or yeah, whatever. However, say it. But so, in order to like, kind of show you this, I'm gonna go through kind of the first, like, probably the first trimester of development, fetal development, and it's very interesting stuff. So by like week two, you know, fertilization happens. You know, it's just when you know they start the cells start multiplying and and all that. Well, that's where yeah they start. When the sperm meets egg and it starts, you know, becoming like an own, its own living cell and start multiplying everywhere. And then by, let's go to week four. This is when it's now officially an embryo, where it starts to take form. It started to slowly build into its own form. And this is when, you know, more women usually and find out they're pregnant right here. By week five, this is when um, you can start seeing kind of, it develop into a human. You can start seeing a face. It looks like a tadpole more than anything, but you start seeing kind of the face, a little bit of the head, maybe a little bit of limbs. And this is where the heart starts beating right here. So that's where most doctors, I don't know if you can detect it at that point, but I, I'm guessing with the te today's technology, you probably could. And then, so by, by week seven, you can start seeing it like starts growing like little legs, arms, and all that. You can start seeing more of his face to see little eyes, and it's, the heart is still, you can start seeing the heart more right there. And by week eight, this is when like you can, 
obviously the eyes are fully formed. You can see fingers and little toes and ears on the right there. And this this is just supposed by a week eight right here. And then by week ten, like this is when it's almost like you can clearly tell this is the baby right here. Like the tail that usually it has is, is completely gone. You can see it, it has skin. You can see all all of his toes, fingers, ears, nose, mouth. It's, it's really cool stuff right here. And then by week 12, this is when, yeah, you can, this, this is when like you start seeing it get a fully formed right here. And it, you could clearly see, it, although it's small, it, it is pretty small, but it's about the size of a lime at this point, it clearly looks like a baby. And, and this is by 12 weeks right here. And then by like, by like 13 weeks, you can see like fingerprints on the fingers. You see the veins and other organs starting to um, develop. And that's pretty, and that's just through the first trimester. And so, like, the idea that this is just not a human life at all, um, despite, despite it not looking like one, it obviously is a human life. As soon as fertilization happens, its own human cell develops and starts multiplying. And again, like, if this same cell right here, or, like, fetus was found on Mars, for example, it would be considered a life. So, what's the difference between it being on Mars and being in the womb. It just, it doesn't make any sense for, for me. Alright, and uh, argument number two is the whole my body, my choice thing. So, this, this is obviously one of the biggest arguments that people make for abortion, saying, oh, you, you don't have any right to control my body, it's my body, I can do whatever I want with it. But here's the thing, nobody's interested in controlling your body. Nobody wants to have the any control over your kidneys or lungs, or heart, or or whatever. Nobody's interested in that. What we're interested in is protecting the life that's in your womb right now, and that is not your body. It may be your body may be supporting it, but it's not your body. It's its own separate body growing inside of you. So this whole argument that it's my body, my my choice thing, it just makes no sense. Again, it's obviously not your body. So argument number two, I mean, sorry, number three, is that um, abortions are just like pulling the plug. And this is, this is like one of the most like, one of the most evil arguments right here. It's like, it's a, it's a giant euphemism. Like abortion itself, like abortion has all sorts of euphemisms that surround it to hide the fact that how brutal abortion is. And and to really like kind of show you like how bad it is, I am going to show you a video of what an abortion is. And this is a tr second trimester medical abortion right here, and it's it's horrific. I mean, it's really horrific. So if you're if you're sensitive about this stuff right here, I recommend probably not watching it. Um, you can definitely skip over um, to the next argument. 
but it's about maybe three minutes long, three minutes to six seconds long, so, and I'm not going to play the entire video, so you know how to skip over a whole lot, but, um, for those else who don't want to watch, it just, preparing you, it is horrific. It is, it is animated, but still very horrific. Here it is. is performed between 13 and 24 weeks of pregnancy. After administering anesthesia, the abortionist uses a weighted speculum, like this one, that opens the vagina widely. Because second trimester babies are so large, this greater access facilitates a late-term abortion. Late-term abortion requires that the cervix be prepared 24 to 48 hours in advance with laminaria. Laminaria is a type of sterilized seaweed that absorbs water over 8 to 12 hours and swells to several times its original diameter. Once removed, metal dilators can be used to further open the cervix as needed. Once the cervix has been stretched open, the suction tube is placed inside. A baby at 20 weeks gestation is as big as the length of my hand, from head to rump, not counting the legs. The suction machine is turned on, and pale yellow amniotic fluid surrounding the baby is suctioned out through the catheters. With babies this big, they don't fit through catheters this size. The baby's bones and skull are too strong to be torn apart by suction alone. This is a sofa clamp. A sofa clamp is made of stainless steel. It's about 13 inches long. The business end is about two and a half inches long and a half inch wide, and there are rows of sharp teeth. This is a grasping instrument. When it gets a hold of something, it does not let go. The abortionist uses this clamp to grasp an arm or a leg. Once he has a firm grip, the abortionist pulls hard in order to tear the limb from the baby's body. One by one, the rest of the limbs are removed, along with the intestines, the spine, and the heart and lungs. Usually the most difficult part of the procedure is extracting the baby's head which is about the size of a large plum at 20 weeks. The head is grasped and crushed. The abortionist knows he has crushed the skull when a white substance comes out of the cervix. This was the baby's brains. The abortionist then removes skull pieces. He removes the placenta and any leftover parts of the baby with a curette, scraping the lining of the uterus for any remaining tissue. The abortionist then collects the baby parts and reassembles them to make sure that there are two arms, two legs, and all the pieces. Once all the parts have been accounted for, the abortion is complete. For the woman, this procedure carries a significant risk of major complications, including perforation or laceration of the uterus or cervix with possible damage to the bowel, bladder, and other maternal organs. Infection and hemorrhage can also occur, which can even lead to death. Future pregnancies are also at greater risk for loss or premature delivery due to abortion-related trauma and injury to the cervix. As I mentioned at the beginning, I'm Dr. Anthony Levitino, and in the early part of my career as an OBGYN, I performed over 1,200 abortions. Yeah, so, again, that is, like, that is just horrific right there, like what happens during a second trimester abortion right there. And with like a first trimester, obviously they're sucked into it too, that tube right there. But obviously, again, what they, he said is that at the second trimester, they're too strong to be sucked in. So they hit, they're ripping apart, crush your head, and just pull them out piece by piece. So the whole idea that abortion is just like pulling a plug on someone like that is 
completely wrong right there, it completely mitigates how violent and horrific abortion is. And people will, the media will often like to ignore it just for because how they obviously realize how horrific it is, but they won't want to ignore it to protect their precious and they want to ignore it to continue so they can continue to support abortion. It's just, it's just all horrific. So, before I'm going to continue on to get into more of the rest of the arguments for George's make. But first, um, you're going to have to go over to YouTube to get it all. So, again, like like I said, you can get, you'll be getting all the rest of my arguments right here. Um, for, I might demug in all the rest of the arguments. And also, in the back half of the episode, you can get where I'll go over John, the book of John. I'm going to be starting John chapter 7 today. And you can get stuff I, stuff like good stuff and bad stuff for the week, which is basically stuff I like and dislike of the week or whatever and yeah you can also you can find me on uh, excuse me you can find me on soundcloud spotify google play a podcast um else? sorry uh like stitcher and iHeartRadio. um otherwise i'll see y'all next week this is the god frame show <laughs>
say you, you're like struggling financially or you, you just can't make it on your you can't like support you like you're struggling and all that so it would be irresponsible to have a baby because you'll probably struggle more financially so and the baby will probably be miserable anyway so but okay the argument doesn't make no sense so say if you're a bad parent and your child is four is it okay to kill them then so yeah that doesn't make sense and it is not responsible i mean honestly a responsible choice would be to have that baby and you can you can give it up for adoption or you can just take care of it yourself i mean just that's like getting rid of the problem that's not responsible that's just to take the easier way out argument number six is that abortion makes um life better for women and and this kind of coincides with the previous argument but um to give you kind of a example of this is that um there was a um article i believe last year in the guardian about this whole bit this whole thing and is titled abortion at the age of 23 gave me freedom by hadley freeman and here's what it says when i was 23 my life forked until then it had felt like one of those la freeways with a half a dozen lanes I had options in terms of which path I took, but they were all going in the same direction, general direction. I was barely, make, barely making a living and a job I enjoyed, and living in a dump with a friend's I adored. Life was wide open, then one day I took a pregnancy test and suddenly there were two directions for me, have the baby or don't. I cried on the bathroom floor with my best friend, but the tears were out of embarrassment that had had been so careless they weren't out of fear it was years before i appreciated what a privilege that was and here it ends right here during the irish during the irish abortion refer referendum there was a lot of talk about the extreme cases of which which legal abortion is not just a right but a necessity rape victims Fetuses with, I guess, I guess it's supposed to be fetuses right there. It looks like that mistype right there, with um, fatal abnormalities. But it would be dishonest not to mention the moral, banal stories like mine. But then I was, but then back then I was with my first boyfriend, who I love very, very much. I was starting to recover from anorexia, which is why I hadn't been more, I hadn't been more careful. I assumed I couldn't conceive, and my boyfriend then had no more emotionally equipped than I was to look after our baby. But the truth is, we, or I, absolutely could have had that baby. I would have given my, given, I would have given my job, but back to, with my parents, my relationship would have eventually ended, and would have taken years for me to be able to support myself and the baby. But sure, I could have done it. You know, it continues on like just how like you know she goes through an abortion and how like her life is all better and everything but that's all like honestly that's all like kind of temporary joy right there 
Like the idea that you know people, like women are going to be more happier if they abort their baby just to pursue their careers. Is that nonsense? In fact, women are more happier who have children. That's just a fact right there. So, and also like the whole like thing. So I get to kill my baby so I can have a better life. It is it's completely immoral right there. And so, like my kind of point right here is that your right to choose, like whatever. It stops at their right to life. Like, they do have right to life. So, and, yeah. So, argument number seven is that abortion is okay in the cases of rape and incest. And this, like, case is more kind of the more difficult type of arcus right here. Um, if you remember back in back last year, uh, Georgia and Alabama passed laws and restricting abortion heavily. And one of the things was, if, I think especially Alabama, they ban abortion, like, even in cases of rape and incest. And there was this massive outrage because of this. Because one of the arguments that pro-choice pro people make is that all abortion needs to be, like, made legal because of rape and incest. Which doesn't make sense, because rape and incest pregnancies, that constitutes for less than 1% of all pregnancy, pregnancies and all abortions in this country. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. So, the idea that we need to make all, like, they'll say, like, you know, some portraits would say, you know, they're not okay with any other abortion, but they're okay with it, with rape and incest, which doesn't make sense to me. Like, again, nobody is okay with rape or incest. No, nobody. And, like, anybody who, like, commits it, any, like, man who commits rape or incest, they deserve to go to prison for life. And, I mean, there is some consideration that they should be given the death penalty. I mean, there's that consideration, too. But, I mean, the idea that, that does the life of the baby have any less value, despite how it was conceived... Again, spoiler, it doesn't. Like, it's still a human life, no matter how it's conceived. And really, honestly, that the baby, even though it was conceived in horrific circumstances, that is honestly probably the blessing that comes out of these horrible situations. So, I mean, that's... It, it is a difficult, like, it is a difficult kind of argument right there, but... I think most poor, poor lifers would say, you know, it's still not okay to kill a baby, no matter how, if it was conceived by a princess, because it's still a human life. Argument number eight is that it's for the safety of the mother. And um, this one is particularly interesting right here, because for a while, the safety of the mother, like, regarded to the life of the, of the mother. Basically, because most people are okay with abortion being considered, if the life of the mother is in danger, but that is honestly should be in the first trimester and maybe the early parts of the second trimester because at some point when they're during the later parts of the second trimester and the third trimester, that baby can be, can survive at that point if it's given out. So especially in the third trimester, even if the woman's life is in danger of giving birth, it doesn't make sense to abort it. 
because it's going to have to be removed anyways. So the one of the obviously one of the ways to remove it to help the mother survive is to do like a C-section, for example. And so that's one of the options right there. So abortion at the third trimester, even if your life is in danger, it the mother's life is in danger. It doesn't make sense to me. But lately, there's been an argument that just for the health of the mother, like New York passed a law last year that's saying that abortion is okay at any point at any state of the pregnancy, including the the health, including the health and the life of the mother. So um, most people are okay with the whole life thing, but the health is a very is a very broad definition because that includes the physical health or mental health or whatever. So, so the like idea is basically, if a woman is like upset because of an abortion, because if she's pregnant, whatever, she can kill it, and then that's perfectly moral. But it honestly isn't. And yes, I mean it. It is true that if you if women do get birth, then they it does pose a risk. But again, with today's technology, that is becoming less prevalent today. And with the do with six sessions too, that is obviously less and less prevalent. So this whole whole argument just makes no sense to me. Argument number nine is the whole handmaid's tale thing. This argument just it just bothers my mind right here. It's a whole slippery slope of control type thing. Basically, if you ban abortion, then eventually a woman becomes subjects. And it's kind of just like, I haven't seen him and stuff, but I've definitely seen like, people talk about it. Whatever, it just it seems like a very dumb show. And it evolves this whole situation that people or women are forced to become pregnant and all that. So, I mean... Okay, the idea that if we ban abortion, that's gonna go, that's gonna happen is just utter nonsense. Again, no one is forcing women to get pregnant. No one, because ninety nine percent of pregnancies in the country is by consensual con- consent. So, and you know, people, people are just like to call it conservatives, saying like you're all for like small government and all that, but why are you okay with a government? being in this, involving stuff in this situation. Well, the reason for that is because, you know, there's definitely libertarians that say, you know, the abortion should be involved, the government shouldn't be involved in this area, and I disagree entirely with that. Because, again, the board, like the baby that's being aborted is a, is a human life, so it has a right to life under the Constitution. So, in the government, it's, the government's responsibility is to protect the life of everybody in America. So, so a, like a government ban on abortion would be good because it's, it's given constitutional, constitutional protections to the unborn. So it's not binding to constitution, it's given constitutional protections. So yeah, that, that whole argument, the hymn is to think so dumb, <laughs> really, really dumb. Then the final argument is that abortion lowers the crime rate. This one right here is just particularly just immoral, gross, and everything. And it completely throws away the whole idea of the due process. So basically, like you can look at child, like look at the baby, and say, um, there's a chance that he might kind of this baby might 
commit a crime later in his life. So let's kill it to make sure that doesn't happen. So like, okay, this like, it, it's so evil. Like, what? What? How can anyone like literally argue argue this right here? Is that like how can you predict that your baby will commit a crime later on? So that makes it okay to abort it. Like th that does make sense, and it, that does affect like uh, minorities in this country because, it, and this is factually true, minorities are the ones who commit the most crimes in this country. So, abortion. So, if you were considered abortion based on that circumstances, like abortion would target mostly minorities. So that just doesn't make sense. And one of the kind of like analogies to kind of make more make this more clear is a whole baby Hitler thing. So basically, it was like I think New York Times made this argument. Like basically, would you go back in time and kill baby Hitler or whatever? And here's the thing: most pro-life people will say no. Like what we would do is to take baby Hitler out of his home, home, and then bring him to another another home, maybe bring him to America where he can become someone different not not become the monster he became that slaughtered six million Jews and millions of other people so yeah they did yeah, like because baby Hitler like he wasn't he wasn't that evil monster yet so like why would you kill him at that point when he's just a newborn when you just simply kind of raise him differently so it's it just a horrible it's a horrible evil art a moral argument, and again, the entire arguments that support abortion is just completely immoral. So, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much all of them right there. And then notice, like, all the arguments. You know, the media wanted to portray the martial life as just a bunch of religious bigots or whatever, but again, I didn't mention, honestly didn't mention religion throughout the whole thing. And I gave, and there's Plenty, because abortion is back. No, sorry, the pro-life position is backed up by science. And do with, if especially with today's technology, but of course there is a kind of faith-based argument that backs backs this whole thing, and one of the chief biggest verses that kind of supports this position is position is Genesis one twenty-seven. Is that the whole your God made us in his image thing. And like, basically that's what separates us from animals right there. That God, God gave us his medicine and made us in his image and gave us the breath of life. And so without that chief thing event right there, like everything that all, all this would be meaningless, but because of that, all human life is has meaning. Including, including if you're, including the unborn. So, like the idea that because in this in a womb, in the mother's, in the mother's stomach growing, that it, that it, that's not a human life. It just is anti-Semitical and just completely immoral. And and I really I really think hopefully that the pro-life position will win at the end. Because I think we're getting to the time where Roe way will be overturned and then that people will look back on abortion as a just everybody who 
the look at back when he jumped as bar- like it was completely barbaric, barbarian times, and that that probably more sooner than we think, and I we really hope so. Alrighty, so I think that's pretty much it for that. So let's get into some scripture right here, and we're gonna be again we're starting in John chapter seven today. I can get it open. I should probably bring out my actual Bible sometime because my phone just being slow all the time. But all right, I got it open. So again, I'm gonna be John chapter seven. I'm gonna be going through from verse one was to verse thirty four, twenty four. And again, I'll be in the new living translation. You can follow along. Alrighty. So this is uh, the first second. Jesus and his brothers. After this, Jesus traveled around the Galilee. And he, and he wanted to stay out of Judea, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. And Jesus' brothers Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, where your followers can see your miracles. You can't become, you can't become famous if you highlight this. If you can do such wonderful things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers didn't believe in him. Jesus replied, Now it is not the right time for me to go, but you can go any time. The world can hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse it of being doing evil. You go on, I'm doing I'm not going to this festival because my time has not yet come. As I saying these things, Jesus remained in Galilee. And one of the kind of the well for that part right there, one of the key things I noticed right there is like the world like the world can hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. And that honestly kind of relates to like today's topic. Like when you point out, like for example, like abortion is evil and immoral, but the pro-choice like movement and left like just gets so vile and angry about this. Like how dare you say something? Like I've seen some of the worst arguments in the abortion case right there. It just it's cool, cool how that relates right there. I actually didn't, I actually didn't plan that, but it's cool how that relates. But anyways, the continues aren't here. But after after his brothers left for, for the festival, Jesus also went, though secretly, staying out of the public view. G- the Jewish leaders tried to find him at the festival, kept asking him, and kept asking if anyone had seen him. There was a lot of grumbling about him among the crowds. Some argued. He argued He's a good man, but others said he's nothing but a fraud who deceives the people. But no one had the courage to speak favorably about him in public, for they were afraid of getting getting in trouble with the Jewish leaders. Then midway through the festival, well, actually, before we get that, like that's kind of uh, one of the key things about the uh, like Pharisees back in, back in the day, during that time, is that if you even mention like anything good about Jesus, there's this. Very, very big possibility you'd be thrown out in the synagogue and just getting, and getting some kind of trouble by the Jewish leaders. Alright, continues right here. Then, midway through the festival, Jesus went up to the temple and began to teach. The people were surprised when they heard him. How does he know so much when he hasn't been trained? They asked. Jesus told them, My message, my message is not my own. It comes from God who sent me. 
Anyone who wants to do the will of God will not will, will know whether my teaching is from God or is merely my own. Those who speak for themselves want glory only for themselves. But a person who seeks to honor the one who sent him speaks not truth, not lies. Moses gave you the law, but n none of you obeys it. In fact, you are trying to kill me. The crowd replied, you're, you're demon-possessed. Who's trying to kill you? I did one miracle on the Sabbath, and you were amazed. But you work, but you work on the Sabbath too. When you obey Moses' law of circumcision, actually the tradition of circumcision began with the patriarchs long with long before the law of Moses. For if the correct time for circumcising your son falls on a Sabbath, you will have to do it as not as to not break the law of Moses. So why should you be angry with me for healing a man on the Sabbath? Look beneath the surface, so you can, so you can judge correctly. And that's true. That's one of the key things about the Pharisees. Again, right there, is that when Jesus healed, healed, he healed more than once on the Sabbath, like he healed on several Sabbaths. But they were so angry, like how dare he heal on the Sabbath? And and this it doesn't matter rip on the really. Jews today, and this is really ripped on the Pharisees back back in this time, right there, is that they had a very, very strict view of what the Sabbath is supposed to be. I mean, it's supposed to be like a day of rest and all that, but they had it so strict that you can even, like, you can even like cook or anything. I don't think you can even cook or anything on the Sabbath back in the day. So even if you did that, you can be stoned in the streets back back in that time. So since like Jesus healed on the Sabbath, like they wanted to kill him, but they obviously couldn't because it would just cause him to become a martyr at that time. Which of course it does happen. But yeah, that's very interesting stuff right there. So next week we can be continuing with verse 40, 25. Alrighty, so let's get to some good stuff and bad stuff for the week. So it's some good stuff for the week right here. So as you know. Obviously, not that I'm a big Star Wars fan, like a big one. Um, obviously, I wasn't, I wasn't a big fan of this sequel, the sequel trilogy. Yeah, excuse me. Um, I did like, I did love Episode Seven. I did not like Episode Eight or Nine, fully. But there's this one area of Star Wars that has been just amazing. It's an amazing part of Star Wars since the original trilogy, and that is the TV shows. Particularly the TV show the Star Wars Clone Wars, which originally aired on Cartoon Network back in the day, and it is an animated Star Wars show, but it is, it is amazing. You gotta watch it. Right now it's on Disney Plus, so I recommend maybe getting like like a week like free trial. You do get a free trial for a week, and then I, rec I recommend like just binging it or whatever. It's just it's an amazing show. <coughs> oh, excuse me. I thought it was a little scratchy. But, the reason why I bring this up is because um, Disney Plus is actually launching the final season of Clone Wars. And this was this was supposed to come out like a long time ago, but Disney decided to cancel it before it was finished for some reason. I don't know why, but finally it's continuing right here. And it comes back on in February, I think February 30th. No, not February 30th, I'm sorry. But sometime in February. 
but mid-February probably. But here is here's what's cool. Like here's the trailer for season seven, the final season. It looks great. Soon, the galaxy will be remade. The Jedi and Republic will die. I sense a plot to destroy the Jedi. Great care we must take. Why would anyone walk away from being a Jedi? We were trained to be keepers of the peace. Not soldiers. We clowns have mixed feelings about the war. Without it, we wouldn't exist. All part of the plan. Plan. Everything is about to change. looks really good and what's cool about it looks it looks like a, it starts like it starts before episode three and then it kind of mixes in with it because there's definitely some lines from episode three that is in the trailer and then i think it'll probably end with order 66 and all that with uh, probably from ahsoka's view and like rex's view which i'm really excited about like i really love the show and i definitely if you're a big fan of star wars i'm I mean, if you're a big fan of Star Wars, I'm pretty sure you've seen this. I've seen this show, but if you haven't, definitely recommend watching it. It's, def I'm, it's definitely worth getting Disney Plus for. But honestly, Disney Plus has so many good things. It's honestly still worth it, no matter if it, even if Clone Wars was on there. But yes, I can't. I can't wait for it to come out. Alrighty, so look at some bad stuff of the week. So this was. This story right here is just so, so bothersome right here. As someone who worked in retail, it was very bothersome. So, okay, so this, there's this like kind of thing that goes around, like when people work in retail or fast food restaurants, and it's, it's a phrase, it's called, the customer is always right. And before I started working, that, that's what I was told before like, I got my first job. Which is at KST, and I was told, yeah, the customer is always right. Remember that. But <laughs> after working in retail, the fast food, and delivering for Papa John's, and all that, 
that statement to customers are always right is complete BS. Completely total BS. Because the customers are not always right. They're sometimes get a bit of time wrong about a lot of things. So here's um this so the story is basically there's this guy named David Levitt who's like a journalist of some sort. So he went and so not that but um he went to a Target over in Massachusetts and to get an oral B toothbrush. And he put out the toothbrush and he the thing is that on display there was there was a you know, display of the toothbrush and on the display there was a little tag that said like one cent and clearly on the tag it says display so obviously that little display little tag is like one cent to make and they do that I'm quite heard they do that for inventory purposes because of course around this time inventory is happening so they have to do this in order to you know properly count the uh, displays and all that. And they can't have it at zero dollars or anything. That's why they add the one cent. So, so this difference right here, like, brings up the checkout counter and says that you know he saw that this toothbrush is was one cent. Obviously, is it? It's probably like more like oral B toothbrushes. I probably ten fifteen bucks, I guess. But he tried to say you know it's one cent. Which is completely wrong. So, but you know, the manager wanted to honor the price because she honestly knew that wasn't that wasn't right. So, what he did, he actually took the picture of the display, took the picture of the manager, and then publicly shamed her on, online. And this is what he said in, on Twitter: "This talking to manager Tori is not honoring the price of her of items per Massachusetts law." And there's this stupid law in Massachusetts is that you that requires go to stores and food places to honor the prizes marked on the items or whatever. So I mean of course you know, it is it is right. If it is most most of the time managers will honor the price if it's if it does look like it is even if it is not on sale, they will still honor it. But the idea that if it be, that being a law, the government's involvement, there's stuff in that area, it just makes no sense. But anyways, this particular situation doesn't even break the law because the law says like if you, if it's like a kind of an error or whatever, and it was, was it even an error? It was it was just it was actual display tag as one cent. So. Yeah, she didn't even break the law in this in this thing, but he goes on the tweet that he had to call. He actually had to call the police. I had called. He had just called the police because so I refused to sell me the toothbrush. And he goes on to say, "I did not call nine one one. I called the business number for the police and told them it was not an emergency. They had to take their time and explain the situation." And he goes on to say that you no, know, the police said, you know, they very verified the verified the price or whatever, which I doubt this because I doubt the police are that stupid. But it, this is just it's so irritating and just as someone who worked retail, this is most this is very irritating right here. When you have like someone like doing this right here. 
And thankfully, Twitter like rallied behind um, the Slater right here, and like actually had a GoFundMe um, thing going, and like gave her thousands of dollars, which that was really cool. But yeah, this guy got right, rightly shellacked on Twitter for this. And it's just again, it's so irritating. But. This makes no sense, and this this is why I recommend, like, if you're going to this, if you're going to, like go grocery shopping, like have respect for, like I get you know it does sometimes get, you can get irritated with workers and all that, but like don't like don't complain about something just to complain or whatever, like have have respect for the workers there. Does people out there just have no respect for workers, and like. So it's irritating because I've had I've had that judgment too. So yeah. All right. So that's all I have for today. So before we get going, I do have a little cool tiny announcement. So I'm gonna be launching the Gotten Pretty Store pretty soon. So um, what the story is, I, I don't have all the details we're gonna have yet, but. I'm gonna have like probably decals and the t-shirts and hats and all that good stuff but again I mean it's a work in progress I don't have everything prepared quite yet but just to let you know it is gonna be coming soon then by not soon soon but eventually we're gonna come this is what I kind of take my time on it get it like right and everything but it'll be it'll just be on my website you can part links to different products you'll be um, it'll be shipped from me. Basically, you can email me for an order, and you'll pay it through PayPal or Cash App or something like that. But again, I'll work all the details once it starts. It starts officially starts. But other than that, I'll see you on the next. I'll um, I'll be back here next week. Um, remember, you can find me on uh, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. Um. Stitcher and iHeartRadio. Um, other than that, like, share, and subscribe, and I'll see you all next week. My name is Sean Clinton, and this is The God of Freedom Show.